And we are live with our 78th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter. Joined by my co-host, Seth Law, at Seth Law on Twitter and at Seth Law on Real Life. Whatever. Welcome. Seth, say hi. There we go. That's my cue. Got it. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome again. Uh, this is number 78. I don't, I don't know when Ken and I started this thing, if we ever thought we'd get this high. It probably was like, hey, this is going to happen for you know three or four episodes and we're going to be done. But thankfully, we're still here. We're still talking. Um, we've got uh, no guests this week. Right. Uh, so it's just Ken and I. You're going to have to bear with us and, you know, listen to our rantings about all things AppSec. Uh, that that should be why you're here. If it's not, then there's probably other podcasts for you. So, yeah, we'll just go with that. Um, let's see. As far as announcements go, before we dive into it, Ken and I will both be at uh, DevSecOps Days Austin next week on monday we'll be doing a live version of the podcast um, i think it's going to be over lunch if i understood the schedule correctly but i'm not sure about that um, as attendees are eating or whatever so uh yeah if you're going to be there come say hi we'll have uh, stickers at the very least uh um, i don't know about shirts yet ken they're they're supposedly on their way so it's, that one's kind of up in the air we may even have a special edition shirt that we're going to share out as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, I will be at B-Side San Francisco in February as well. I'm going to do a secure code review workshop is what I'm calling it instead. Um, it's basically a come find bugs workshop. So it'll be a little different than our traditional training. And I know people are asking about the secure code review course. Uh, Watch our space, watch AbsoluteAppSec.com or the at AbsoluteAppSec Twitter account. Uh, we'll tweet out as soon as we know where we're going to be giving that next. I've had a couple people reach out to me on Twitter. I'm sure Ken has as well. Uh, we're just locking that down for 2020. 2019 was really busy for both of us. So I think we got kind of burned out. And so we haven't submitted quite as much toward the end of this year. By but quite it, as much, you mean not at all. Not, not at all, yes. Yes, I think I've submitted once in the last, you know, couple, yeah, yeah, in a couple weeks. So, yeah, <laughs> we did a lot more last year. Anyway, it will be coming. We'll we'll loop back around. We'll do iteration number two of that. So, um, yeah, I don't think uh, do you have any other announcements, Ken. No, nope. Just uh, no, yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing whatsoever. I mean. Well, so let's get into it. You were at Cactus Con. Was Justin with you? Justin uh, Larson? Yes. Oh, yeah, he yes, was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did he get chicken fingers again? <laughs> Only like three times. <laughs> For those that don't realize, like we last last time we were at Cactus Con together, maybe 2018, I think, September 2018. Yeah. Justin goes to get, Justin Larson goes to get um, order food and he ordered like, chicken tenders at like a decent place. And it's just funny. We've been giving crap ever since. Yeah, so. So, I mean, so if, anybody like wants to get, yeah, if anybody wants to get Phantom Traveler or Justin, any uh, any presents, just, you know, chicken fingers. Yeah, chicken fingies. Yeah, there you go. It's such, a, it's such a thing when you've got kids too that you like kind of default to that, I feel. 
Yeah, you don't um, even realize it, right? It's just like, oh, yep. Because <laughs> I'm going to be eating them anyway, or they're going to eat, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it becomes normal. It becomes the normal <laughs> thing to do. But he has not lived it down ever since. I mean, <laughs> not yeah. once since has he lived that down. So any chance we get to, we need to put his Twitter handle on here so we can um, have people spam him with pictures of their chicken tender, chicken tendies. Okay. You can't yeah. even call them chicken tenders. They got to be chicken tendies. Chicken tendies. Yeah. Or chicken thingies to make it less adult. Yeah. So, anyways, back to Cactus Con, which is an awesome <laughs> conference. And for those who don't know, it's in Phoenix, uh, hence the cactus part of that. Uh, Andrew Wilson, his wife, and um, some other cool folks all come together and it's only grown year after year. Uh, it's a really fun one. It's not like a just absec. It's it's uh, like everything security. And it was the first place that I ever got to solder, which I really appreciate them um, having like an intro to soldering course there, or like course, but like people table set up and equipment. And everything. So, anyways, that's CactusCon. Seth, tell us about your experience. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's Heatsink Labs, like a makerspace down in Phoenix. Actually, I don't think they're in Phoenix. I think they're in Mesa, but whatever, because um, we wandered by the the actual like in the storefront. But um, heat sink lamps is the one that typically does that. There was some disappointment this year because the badges didn't show up in time, right? So for the whole soldering stuff, uh, I know Andrew was pretty disappointed about it that they didn't have the electronic banded badges. They ordered them from China and they just didn't show up and. So they only had paper badges. So that wasn't quite as busy this year. Um, I also think this year, I like, didn't feel quite as uh, packed as it did last year. I don't know if it was just the the days of the week that it was happening or the fact that it's December as opposed to, what was it? I think it was September yeah, when we were down there last year or October. Um, but, I, you know, it was still a great conference. There was a lot of interesting talks going on. Jack Daniels gave one of the keynotes as did, uh, Whitney Champion gave the other one. Um, Shortick stack on Twitter. Um, I, I mean, they had interesting things to say. Those keynotes are always interesting. They, they don't typically dive as deep, right, as some of the other, the other talks. Um, there was a couple of good talks that we went to on, I mean, one was unfurled, just kind of like data uh, URL analysis is realistically what it boils down to, right? Like parsing out a URL and all the components that are in it um, and a tool that will do that graphically for you and actually identify things like, hey, this is the version of the UID that's in this URL. Um, and it tells you this about the timestamp and other things. But they, you know, they did a whole bunch of analysis of like Google URLs, like search URLs and other things. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see them all graphed out. Um, let me see, I'll, I'll find a link for that one. <laughs> So it's like, is it trying to do that securely, picking out those components, or? No, it's more for uh, a forensic style activity, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> did I distract you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, there you go. Spend all your chicken fingy pics to, to Justin. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he just did he just jumped in too and he's like oh crap i'm like three minutes behind and he's getting shit yeah. <laughs> you better catch up quick otherwise this could, this could go bad badly for him 
Um, yeah. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh yeah, I don't know. you're talking about URL for URL parsing for forensic purposes. Yeah. So the the speaker actually works for uh, Google, um, and they hit their data forensics team. Uh, so it's something that they've put together about like the diff, you know, parsing out URLs and actually anything that's in the URL, it can actually it can um, it'll attempt to analyze. So things as simple as taking a timestamp, like from a one five three four whatever number, and actually reversing that to your current you know timestamp. So you could actually see, oh, there's multiple timestamps in this URL. One is for the access time and all the other stuff. And um, yeah, apparently like Twitter or Slack's going <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, so that one was interesting. Uh, there was also a, a combi tool that was that, that we went to a talk on. Let me post that one really quick. Okay. It was, it was good as well. Yeah, I'll throw you that one. Um, I'll post this that one there. actually made for easier analysis, like uh, it's structural code search is what's going on with it. Um, but it's uh, it's like a smart regex for code searching is what it boils down to. So you can do things like, hey, you see, you know, you know, you know, something in C that's like a, a printf statement, right? Um, is it bounds checked before it actually gets to that point? Um, or str cat? Uh, so you can do like before and after checks in the code for you know the the surrounding structure around dangerous calls. Right? Um, so I, I mean, that was. Yeah, and, and both of these were like 20 minute talks, right? I was like, ah, crap, they, they should have gone longer, but it is what it is. And then I'd like, to, you know, there was a number of other, you know, interesting things. There were some talks on, you know, phishing and other things. I, th those were the ones that were most relevant to, to us, at least in the AppSec space, right? Uh, they, they Again, it's such a wide conference. There was only two tracks, three tracks. I guess uh, Logic Hill was there on Saturday too and spoke, um, Stefan Edwards, but we were out by the time he actually got around to speaking. So he Aww. was later on the day on Saturday. I felt bad. Yeah, I would, I'm sure you would have liked to have met, met up with him too. Yeah, I mean, we, we need to have him about, back on. We haven't had him on in a while. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's been a been a fair bit. You know, I, I, I'm still you know looking up all the ter terms on Google that he mentioned last time though. So yeah, yeah. once I get been through with that, I need a new list. He was, yeah, I mean, well, you know, like his trail, because we did that in Vegas where we uh, did the uh, trail recap of their trail of its um, Kubernetes report. And uh, yeah, like he pretty much, I think, got really busy after that. So in a good way, like he's, that really blew up that whole um, assessment that they did in that, that report. And they, he's done, what was the, like the most recent thing he was doing? He, he was doing something else, like, Digging into something else, and I can't remember what it was. Something more recent. I don't know, my memory shit right now. Um, <laughs> some holidays. Else? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Something else he's working on recently, but I don't remember. Um, let's see. Let's see if I can make up a term that sounds. <laughs> yeah. Symbolic. Symbolic execution. Uh, <laughs> a runtime uh, Kubernetes secrets. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Sounds legit. So. I don't know. Okay. So, so I, I did, like, we did meet up on Saturday morning um, and I talked with him for a bit. One of the things that we were actually, you know, talking through, though, was 
I, I mean, Kubernetes is pretty hot right now, just from a, oh, everybody's talking about it. And, and like, I don't know, I'll kind of die on that space that Kubernetes is not really a, I mean, containers, yes, it's related to AppSec, but it's not really AppSec, right? But whatever. Um, the uh, the other thing that we ran into with it, though, is uh, the fact that uh, people ask him all the time, oh, can we just get your configuration for Kubernetes, you know, working at Trail of Bits? And he's like, guys, at Trail of Bits, we don't run Kubernetes, <laughs> right? No, you have a very specific need. There's no reason to. It's like everyone's jumping on the Kubernetes train just like they jumped on the blockchain train or anything else, right? Just because it's this new hot technology without really thinking about, hey, do I have a need for this level of complexity in microservices and um, containerization? Or, you know, can I just run this in an EC2 instance and I'm going to be fine, right? I, like, I just, I, I feel like, there's a lot of people going that route when there's not necessarily a need. Um, and there's very few organizations that have that level of, uh, you know, requirement, I guess. I, I, I just. Well, I, I feel right like that's it. where the discussion is going is like, uh, well, cause in security, you're, you're hearing more about it, but in the developer lands, landscape, they're hearing about it in an opposite way where they're like, you probably don't need to use it. I mean, I've seen that a lot. I mean, mostly on Twitter, to be fair, which is where I get all of my solid news. It's where you can trust what people are saying. <laughs> it's a very health, it's good for mental health. You get great news, accurate facts out of Twitter. It's all around a really good place to be. Sarcasm aside, uh, yeah, like developers are, um, or, I shouldn't say developers, I should say like site reliability engineer slash ops people are like, you probably don't need to use it. You probably don't. Like it's, it was a thing that came out, Google built it for their specific needs. A lot of people latched yeah. onto it, like you're saying, and they're like, you probably don't need it. You, you more than, more, more than likely can outsource a lot of that work to the services that are already built in the cloud versus like doing your own, mm -hmm. yeah, your own management of Kubernetes and all that crap. Yeah. Well, yeah. And part of the reason that came up is one of the, I think one of the vulnerabilities that uh, Stefan found in his report, right, or in the Kubernetes report, actually that combi tool they used and like recreated, like found the same thing, basically like one of the buffer overflows that they, they pulled out of there. So, um, nice. but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I Like I think in general, we have a lot of that, right? Uh, in the industry where we're where we latch on to tools and products and you know whatever is hot because people are talking about it on Twitter that reliable source of information and we implement before we necessarily think through what whether or not it's good for us or good for our organization or even needed. I, yeah. I mean, there are people. So like there's two things too with that. Like there are security people such as the folks we're going to go talk to next week, like James Wickett and Karthik and whatnot that are, because they're involved in like the DevOps and they, they know about this stuff ahead of the rest of the security community. But like besides those folks, it's also like this game where security is always catching up to what's being um, utilized a couple of years after it's utilized, it's been, you know, in production and utilized and become a thing so it's it's I, I don't know i feel like we're always a little bit behind the curve uh 
I mean, it is a bit different when you work on a op, like a blue team operational kind of uh, work for certain companies that you know are implementing these things. But um, so speaking of, this is a good or like, is there is there more that uh, anything else interesting from Kakiscon that you want? You did you did the workshop there. Or no? no, no, no. This was the first conference that I've been to in a long time that I didn't actually, you know, speak or do a workshop or anything. We just went down and went to talks. The hallway cons always good, right? Um, you know, so running into, you know, I had a chance to talk to Whitney Champion. I mean, she did the keynote, but she's also the one that uh, started up the Hacker Tracker, the Android version. Um, that I yeah, you worked with her. I mean, yeah, you, you did the iOS version. She did the Android. Yep. Yep. So we, we, we worked. No, no, no. Huh? Sorry, I keep I keep interrupting. You know what? You can ba you can blame blame it on too much caffeine. Oh, she she was talking like the. I mean, she's been doing a lot of blue team stuff, right? Um, the, she helps run that open sock uh, CTF, which is the blue team CTF, right? Mm -hmm. So the blue team village at DefCon, um, they were running that same CTF at uh, at CactusCon as well. I, I just. Like I didn't, I didn't get involved with it this time around, right? Just was talking to too many people. I had too much going on. Um, Getting Mr. Popularity. Yeah, I work with I work with a lot of people down there that go to CactusCon, and so it was more, you know, got distracted every two seconds. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Ken walking out of his house, right? Some of us. Yeah, super popular with the squirrels outside that steal the bird seed from my bird feeders. But that's a story for a different day. Well, I'm, I'm sure you are. They keep coming back, so. Yeah. They, well, as a side note, the the last time we went out there, the squirrel had pulled it off the actual like thing that hang. I don't know how we got into this conversation, but whatever. Like, whatever. I'm a yeah. I'm a crazy squirrel person. I like to watch them. So they like uh, they pulled the whole deer out of the ground and just like started just munching away on bird seed. Yeah. So. I don't know how this is any has any relevance to our <laughs> podcast. But. Hey, it's the bottom line is when I leave my house, there's nobody here. So there's no there's nothing. There's animals and like, yeah, <laughs> I'm just working from home as a hermit all alone. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so speaking of you know wildlife, right? Did you see that going around on Twitter that somebody's putting cowboy hats on the pigeons in Las Vegas? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> and then like like you've got like the animal rights i don't know people that are trying to like <laughs> take them off and so it's like this battle is going i'll, I'll find a link <laughs> oh my god um, it's, it's totally not related to appsec and that's apparently where we're going today but it was yeah we have some topics but it's just loose it's it's just these are just loose topics um yeah there's been some fun i mean there <laughs> Yeah, actually, I'm more interested in that story, but I'm I, we'll diverge back to InfoSec. <laughs> there were there were a few things that were of, of note and interest, um, that, especially like last week. And there's like, God, there's stuff that happened this week even, and uh, but I don't think we'll have time to get into it. But from last week, the interesting things were like the first of all, there was the hacker one bit where um, yes. they they called it a breach. Well, I'm not saying HackerOne called it a breach. It was just called a breach in general on the internet. 
And uh, so to recap on that, I don't have a link. I, I can find one, but um, like what had happened was one of the researchers. This is just what I got um, in the email because if you're if you're like working through the Hacker One platform, you know you obviously get an email about stuff that's going on. But also it's like completely public, so I'm not. I don't feel like I'm airing out laundry privileged information or anything. It's it's pretty public. But anyways, so the Hacker One platform is also you know a platform where you can hack on it i mean meaning like they they also have a bug bounty for themselves someone did that some researcher they were working i guess with an analyst at hacker one and the analyst um accidentally pasted their uh, session id into i don't know whatever probably on the hacker one platform you know to the researcher accidentally they were working through something else and the researcher used that session um to then just like do stuff they shouldn't been, have been able to do. Um, and they, what they found, I think what they found, the security analysts is that, that with that session of the security analysts, they were able to access other platforms. Now there's quite a bit to digest from all this. Cause one, on the one hand, like, well, not on the one hand, like this is my own opinion. It, the, first of all, that's not really like the point of a bug bounty is not to get somebody to accidentally give you a session and then just like shit all over that privileged information, but whatever, that's, that's what they did. Right. That's what, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say that's what they did. I should say what they did was they took the session and they went farther than, than I would have. And yeah. they accessed other platform, like other businesses information on the platform. Now that's the, the one side of it. This, the other side of it is that like, well, that security analyst probably shouldn't have had, there should have been more, you know, more protections in place so that if you do get a session, you can't just like access different companies' uh, information, which is what HackerOne said they took action on, right? Like they took action on a few things. Now, I would not have, I think this person ended up getting paid like $20,000 for this bug bounty. And I think I would have been okay maybe giving them only because, only because HackerOne, like if, if, they, if they went after this researcher, it would, compl I mean, it's like not the, best thing for a company that runs a bug bounty platform to then go after their own researchers for having disclosed something like this, right? Yeah. However, that hacker, loosely using that term, breached, in my opinion, confidentiality and like exploited sort of that human part of it, which is not necessarily in scope. Also, they access way more data than they need to from what it sounds like. And now Hacker One has changed their legal verbiage to sort of address that. But I mean, maybe I would have given them a thank you payout probably, but I, I $20,000 for that just feels a little, I don't have all the details granted, but it just, anyways, that's sort of, I don't know what your opinion on all this is, Seth, but it just feels a little yeah. like, like. I mean, it, this is, this, this feels very similar to me to that recent Capital One breach, right? Somebody with, um, I mean, with intimate knowledge, you know, number one, like, so session, a session credential that they don't, you know, they got through um, social engineering is realistically what it was, right? So they're using a token that they didn't, they didn't gain through, like, through the system itself, or, you know, I mean, it was through someone else and social engineering, someone that they, uh, 
they use that to gain privilege and information. And that's exactly exactly what happened on Capital One. Maybe there wasn't some some checks around authorization or the tech, so session token didn't time out as quickly as it probably should have, right? So there's definitely things that HackerOne probably could have done in that case and even Capital One, right? Like other, other controls that they could have implemented to prevent the amount of data that was breached. Um, in the Capital One case, at least it was like someone malicious that was going after it, right? It wasn't the, sa the same sort of thing. Um, it does feel like HackerOne rewarded him for stepping outside the bounds of what they normally normally allow, right? Uh, and I think that's what you're getting at with that. Hey, I would have kicked him some thank you money, right? Like as far as, yeah, you know, but I probably would, at the same time would have been like, yeah, but like you did X, Y, and Z, which is also not cool. Um, and so you got to realize that, you know, that's, you know. It's I, a weird I, predicament I, for them because they, if they, if they, if they go after this the way I think most of us kind of, well, I shouldn't say most of us, the way I would feel about it, which is like, are you kidding me? You abuse that trust. Um, if they if they went after that, like this is a good point that several people have brought up was that, yeah, I mean, then it's just that's their business model. Like it, it's not it's not a good look for them to, to if they if they did not. And I'm not saying go after. I just mean like be like, hey, you weren't supposed to do that. Don't do that again. And yeah. sign this thing that says you deleted the information and like, you know, I, I wouldn't, I mean, certainly I, I, there's no reason for like legal action, I don't think, but there is no. a reason to be like, do that again. You're on thin ice right now. Do that again. You know, like, yeah, I, I think. Well, and this is, this is exactly the, it, it, so like we always talk about overlaying like security consulting with bug bounty with other forms of like identifying vulnerabilities. But like, I have a hard time coming at it as a consultant, right? Because if I step outside the scope of what I'm doing with a, with a company or with a client, like at that point, I'm not legally covered by anything, right? Like the, right. the, the agreements that I've signed with them, um, like even like insurance and everything else, like I'm like, <sighs> At that point, it's just me, and I'm I'm like liable for whatever happens with that data or whatever else I go after, right? So we're mm -hmm. very very careful with scope, and I know that they push their researchers to be careful about that as well, right? And, right. You know, so like so yes, this was Hacker One, and I think that's probably why it made the news. But if you had done this, like if I went trolling and social engineering for one of Hacker One's actually like clients that are on that platform, and then use that to you know pull out more data than is necessary or to abuse that company, um, I'm pretty sure HackerOne's not gonna back you up on that, right? No, not at all. And like, if you've got, imagine, because it's one thing when you talk about cor corporations, um, and it's another when you talk about governments that are on the platform, right? Like that's, yeah. that, that, I mean, because if, if, if people don't know, like it's, it's not just, you're not seeing just submissions of like, um, you know, hey, you got some insecure headers or verbose errors or whatever. You're talking about stuff that in some cases are giving like an expert that can steal data, lead to remote code execution. Like there's some pretty, that's why the platform exists because there's some pretty serious submissions that come through. Um, and I don't know, like it, it definitely feels different when you when you think about like a. I'm not saying, by the way, I have no information on who whose information. I know ours wasn't, but I don't know about the other companies, like whose information was accessed or organizations, I should say. So I don't know, if, like I, I mean, 
probably not a government entity, but what if it was? I guess that's the like. Does the, would that that has bigger bigger ramifications because then it's like you may not see it as a breach, but certainly they would, right? Like that's that would dissuade more participation um, from government entities in bug bounties, which I was surprised that you ever saw the Pentagon oh have a bug bounty, by the way. Um, so that's a, yeah. that's a hot topic for another day. But uh, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, it's it's a little, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a little, well, and that's, I, I, I mean, that's, that's the other that. thing, like, because it, cause it is, like, from HackerOne's perspective, right, and the, the clients that Datas was, was accessed, it was a breach, right? You know, it right. wasn't um, one of their employees' credentials, like the session authentication token got stolen, and the data was accessed and went out of their control. Right? Right. Yes, it you know it's to a somewhat limited trusted party, but even then that data is like there's no guarantees, right? It's gone. Right. Yeah, so, and these are any this is anybody off the internet also. So when you say like trusted party, it's like hmm. how trusted, right? Yeah, it's they're not, not like doing as much you... background of as some of the other bug bounty people do. Yeah, when you go through on your, when you go through a, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, a rec, uh, requisition um, process with a company, like you as a consultant has to, first of all, you have to verify, you have to compete against other companies, they do like, checks on you, you have to submit all kinds of, I mean, like there's just the paperwork for just, that's why, that's, that's, that's honestly one of the worst parts of being a consultant is all the requisition and legal crap. Because once you actually get through that, it's like, okay, the rest of it's easy, but usually, but uh, that's the part that sucks the most is that the, and, and, and it's because both parties have to protect themselves. And so like, you'll see companies with like overly broad generic statements. And you're like, whoa, I'm not signing it as a consultant. I'm not signing on the dotted line saying if like your system goes down because you can't handle more than 20 threads that I'm liable. You know, and their 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 paperwork might kind of blanket cover something like that, where you're you know you're like I'm not gonna sign that. You shouldn't, right? Yeah. And but it's difficult because you're also working against, or I shouldn't say against, but you are you kind of are you competing against other companies, right? To like get that work. So if they sign, there's always that weirdness, like you know, it's just it's, it's difficult. The little legal thing with it, but at least it's like thorough, right? They they know you, you're vetted. It's not like you just entered some credential or like signed up on a platform and got to hacking right so it's i don't know kind of a weird situation yeah i, I mean it's definitely unique right I, and it's a little bit in, more interesting um just from the the whole yeah that the the bug bounty platform was breached right that's always the then toller yeah. by the way is cracking me up he put this picture earlier of chick i want to like pin this for, for i'm going to pin this uh and if you're not in our slack channel please hop in there if you can it's on absolute appsec.com's the info and uh, the invitation links on there uh because we have some good combos in there and some funny stuff going on um <laughs> plus it's um all the links that we've got and any information about upcoming podcasts are in there so just to plug yeah. that real quick um, but I, I don't know, like if there's I, any other thoughts on that, that whole thing? Uh, no, not necessarily. I, I, I do kind of feel like we're reaching, uh, I know we talked with uh, Jared Gamblin about breach fatigue, right? Yeah. Um, I, I do like, 
as a security person, I definitely feel that, right? Especially this last like six months to a year, right? You know, there's breaches coming out every, I mean, it feels like every couple of days. Um, and Ooh, what about breach insurance? Oh, breach insurance, right? I, I, I mean, basically it pays for, uh, you know, credit monitoring for anyone who is breached. Is that, yeah, technically. <laughs> basic. Oh yeah, that's true. That's, that, that is true. From what, from what has been put out there about uh, breach insurance, you're right. It just pretty much covers like the, those, those type, like if you've got to put, um, if you've got to get, if you've got to give people free monitoring and pays for that, and then it's very like limited to what, um, I, I think also, it'll like, do some certain, of the forensics and some of that, like they'll, they'll, they'll do some of the, like, it'll pay for figuring out what it is. I'm sure there's different levels. And I, I mean, at some point we should have some of those people that we know on that are in that insurance industry, or at least working for those guys as the breaches happen. Cause it would be pretty interesting. Um, you know, as a consultant, I've gotten involved on some of those where they've been breached. The insurance is paying for, uh, you know, basically trying to figure out who is negligent or who was negligent, um, whether it was, you know, the provider or the developers or how, how the breach actually happened. And in a lot of those cases, it's just a complete uh, nightmare, right? Like it's okay. There's, 10 different avenues. This, this code was stood up 10 years ago. No one, no one's maintained it since then. So take your pick, right? Who, who's who's always, actually to blame? Those are always the weirdest too. It's like how many times have you as a consultant, like I know I, I, we both have this quite a bit where it's like someone gets breached, but they don't know how they didn't have like for whatever reason they didn't have for audit logs or whatever. And they're just like, Here's the code. Take a look and tell us how they got in. And you're like, like, I mean, what? You know, like I'll, I'll try my best. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, it, what I mean is, you'll, yeah, we're gonna look for some. And usually, people who are doing that, by the way, when you go to, even if you use just a just a scanner on their code, it immediately becomes clear. Like, oh my god, there's a lot of ways that they could have breached you. For one, but two, like. What makes you think it's the web app, right? And like, well, we got access to, they got access to data. They shouldn't, well, you know, there's other ways in the web app for that, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's always this weird. I don't know. I always felt weird when people asked me to do that. It's like, yeah, I, I did. It, it, this is going back to a story from a long time ago. I want to say it was like nine years ago or eight years ago. There was this, uh, there's not nonprofit out of um, California that like did um, for youth. They did like uh uh, outdoorsy things for you know youth that otherwise couldn't and it was a good cause and somebody had was like hey you do security and these guys got pwned and like can you take a look holy crap uh man like i went through their code base first of all it was littered with vulnerabilities i don't even know where to begin it was php of course right on top of that there's some super interesting like web shells but the web shells were all over their code base it was really nice like really well done black market type php web shells um which i actually actually did upload to uh, the nova hackers github repo um kind of still up there um but anyways yeah like it was it's just it was that total that code base was a shit show it was a mess and then like and and not you know they, they didn't have resources they were just like people were just volunteering to do this for them because it's, yeah. you know not not for profit but um yeah it's crazy man they were like 
the same web shell was all over the code base. It was insane. So I, I, I think we, they ended up even just like redoing the entire web app from the ground up just because they were so compromised. They had to move off there. They like got on a new hosting platform, built a whole new app. It was just so bad. It was like, there's no coming back from this. Your app's totally yeah. burned. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I you know tell people when they they want to roll their own WordPress site, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same same thing, right? It, that's what always happens is they find an exploit in one of the modules that's being used, and what well, shells all of a sudden are up everywhere, and they don't know because it was just stood up by some designer, and then it hasn't been maintained or updated since then, and yeah. Yeah, it's not WordPress that we're worried about. It's these stupid plugins that people like. It's just, it's like the, it's like the, um, it's no different from like the Android and, and uh, iOS app store. It's like if you install this code from somebody else, it's the same concept as dependencies. Even if you think about it, it's like you're you're installing code from somebody else because like you wanted, I don't know, a neon footer, neon colored footer. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But yeah, they're like. Yeah, that's where the issues typically arise, right? I mean, and they've got like, for those that want to know how to fix that, they have plugins that monitor for security issues and, and plugins and will alert you if, you're, if you're, one of your installed plugins are uh, vulnerable. <laughs> your O-Day, Ken Toller covered your O-Day blogging platform. Blogging platform, yep. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. I don't know, I, like, I mean, that came to light to me, it, you know, it was, I mean, it's been years, right? Like trying to run just like little WordPress blogs for people. And, uh, you know, it was, to, it was to make, you know, management easy, but then like seeing the amount of just like crap that went on and people that were pinging it. And then the second it, became, it was WordPress, like all of the different attacks that would go against it. And half of them were O'Days against, uh, yeah, against plugins that people would use that didn't, you know, all that, all that code is open source because it's just PHP and it's interpreted. So they find a vulnerability, they don't report it, they write an exploit for it, they upload web shells, they try to take out or take over hosting providers, and then it just spiders from there, right? It's a it's a pretty common attack pattern. So anyway, I, I mean we're completely off on WordPress and PHP now because of something. So Actually, Kate Teller brought up a really good point too, which is like marketing is usually the, so in marketing, so first of all, he said marketing is usually like the WordPress admin, which is true. Like you have semi non, I would say it doesn't matter. Like you have somebody else, not a security person or not a security champion developer uh, managing that. And like, but that's the point is that WordPress is also, the reason people use that solution is because you can get, you can get, Instead of an engineer having to sit there and like, we'll say using like a Jekyll site, for instance, instead of an engineer having to edit some markdown or edit some content or whatever and push it up and do all the deploy and all that stuff, you've got marketing who can just log in, make edits as, as they want and, and cool. But also like if they're the administrator, they can install also whatever they want, which becomes problematic. Yep. But uh, yeah, anyway, so. We should move on because there's one other thing I really wanted to talk about. I really, really wanted to get into this, which was the pen tester labs. Let me make sure it's pen tester labs so I don't call them out and like get like nasty emails. Yeah, pen test lab. We post this Twitter thread. So last week, um, someone tweeted out that 
they received their password during, I think I forgot password, or maybe it was during sign up, whatever. Um, they received a, and it's posted now. Okay. They, they received a, um, uh, uh, sorry, I'm struggling to, to multitask here. Okay, cool, links are out. So they, so somebody, somebody, a user of Pentest Labs uh, sent out that like they got their, their password, um, which now Pentest Labs is calling a token, uh, emailed to them in a either, like I said, registration or, or sign. Uh, it probably was registration because the way that the, the Pentest Labs said they do this is that they do store your password plain text. You don't get to put your password in, though. That's the catch. You don't actually choose one. You don't get to choose one. Yep. No. They, they auto-generate it, and it's supposed to be random and all that fun stuff. They store it in plain text, and I don't even know where to begin with this. So, like, people were kind of pointing out that the InfoSec community was dogpiling on them and not showing a whole lot of empathy and all that stuff. Okay, fair point. But, and nobody's going to like me for saying this, but sometimes that's what I miss about the InfoSec community is burnt, is like when people do something clearly wrong, like calling them out. Like, why is that so bad? Why? I mean, like everybody's like, oh, they're dogpiling on them. Well, yeah, but like it's deserved. I mean, and most of the time I'm like, yeah, don't do that. Don't dogpile, don't whatever. But like sometimes, and maybe it's because it's, I don't know, maybe I'm more curmudgeonly today than usual, but sometimes when you deserve it, you deserve it. And their whole thing was they were claiming that like, uh, they, they, well, for the first response was, um, like we, in our defense, we think it's stronger, which is fair that if we generate your password, then like, it's easier for you to, uh, um, yeah, it's easier for you to screw that up if you do it than if we do it, which is like why people integrate with, uh, have I been pwned? Um, and have like validations for common passwords and don't allow you to, to, or like at least warn you when you sign up. The way Segment did it, the way Leaf explained it. So their threat model from Pentester Labs was like, well, if we're generating it, it's less likely to be compromised. And like, there's a small, small, small chance this, these, uh, your password ever gets leaked. And if it does, well, there's not a whole lot of data stored in the, um, in the database. like. The only thing stored is an email, which can be anonymous, which I don't really understand why like that's okay. And then um, whether or not you paid, and then, um, I don't know, there's like some other innocuous sort of thing. So, I mean, I get why they're saying that to a degree, but they're saying like, well, first of all, all the verbiage around their explanation was always describing like the password as being encrypted. It's like normal systems always encrypt. And uh, FYI, not to be like pedantic here, but no, most sites are hashing, not encrypting your password. <clears throat> but while I get their point, I think the whole, the issue is that, well, there's several, but you're a pen testing lab company or security company and as security companies, or as a, as a security company, and this goes true, this holds true, I think, for any security company, you like wanna hold the same standards for yourself as you do for everybody else. Mm -hmm. I get I get what they're trying to say, and I understand that people, like you shouldn't outright be mean, I don't agree, I don't stand for that at all, but I think it's completely reasonable for the InfraSec community to say, don't do that. Like That's not the right way to do it, don't do that. What are your thoughts? That's my opinion, what do you think? Yeah, like I'd be interested, like if you look at Pentest Labs, 
like the the courses that they have like i would be interested to see what they like what they say about authentication right and handling of passwords just like are they being hypocritical or is it just they did a they did a risk assessment and decided that oh this was the easiest way around it and then we don't have to ever regenerate passwords because that that's what it feels like is they don't regenerate that password um, no. So if you for, if you forget the password or if it gets shared, like it, it almost feels like it it becomes a an easier way for people to share their tokens or share their passwords. Like if somebody's credentials get compromised, the threat is that anybody can access that account and actually view the content, right? And I guess if they don't care about that, I mean. That's that's their own yeah that, that that's their own problem. But at the very least, right? You know, implementing something that even if you generate the password and you show it to them the first time, or you show it to them on a screen, or have like some JavaScript that randomly generates a password and stores it that first time, whatever. It's not that hard to do reset. Like we understand how to do this securely, so it feels like a shortcut that they're trying to justify. That's what it, I, I agree with that, man. I, I feel like it, that's that actually your your summary makes a lot more sense the, the way you said it than, than the way I said it. Because that's what I feel like it is too. Like it was an easy thing to do. It was like, well, it's probably fine, you know. Okay, fine. But like, don't be mad when people say, yeah, you were, like you say, kind of a, a um, it's kind of like a, a shortcut. You, you were, let's be honest, you were kind of lazy about it. Like that's just the only, that's, that's just, you can say whatever you want, justify any way you want. You're a little lazy about it. It's fine. Like that, but at least own it and don't get mad when people are like, because they said we were disappointed in the InfoSec community. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not. Like, I mean, I'm disappointed in anyone who's mean. Well, I want to be very clear about that. If you're mean and you're rude, there's no reason for that. This is just computer stuff. Look, it's not the end of the world. And especially with pen tester labs, like even if your shit gets breached, it's not the end of the world. It's not that big of a deal. And I know mm -hmm. that we I as an infosec we always say huge deal this is right not that big of a deal however like so don't be mean about it but yeah it's okay to say no not okay that's not the right way to do it you're not doing it the right way you're a security company and you took the shortcut and like now you're kind of you're you're getting some black for it just own it don't don't be so upset about it don't say you're disappointed in the, the community over it yeah yeah i, I mean i i know ken brought Toller again brought this up on you know Slack that um, OSCP does something similar. Again, that's for their labs and their VPN, right? Yep. So, like some of that, I understand um, just from a technical perspective, and and I know there's other places that'll do this as well. Is oh, you, you're getting a VPN into our you know my network, and then I'm going to give you access to things. So I'm going to give you a, you know, I'm going to generate, you know, a username and password because I can control, I can control those credentials as they're coming in. It's, you know, we don't have an automated system or whatever. I, like I'm pretty sure that uh, OSCP does, offensive security, I'm sure does have an automated system. But part of that is that those tokens that they give you as far as username and passwords typically aren't like your email address isn't one of those tokens, right? It's just like, there's no there's no way to pull that back out. If you've got it, yes, you can access the VPN, but the second that your, you know, your lab time runs out, they're gonna cut that VPN access. 
those credentials expire. They are random on both username and password, so the tokens. It just is it. Yeah, I, so so there is some justification there, and there's some ways that those that's happened in the past. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, but again, it's 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 ease of use, right? It's I'm making this a little bit easier on myself to administer things, um, right? And that's fine. It's a perfectly reasonable response to say, like, look, we this is just you know an easy thing to do, and there's not that much. Uh, we don't feel like there's which is basically what they said about the, the second part, where it's like, oh, we don't feel there's that much at risk. It's basically what they said, which is probably true. I mean, they they like I said, I mean, it, it's an email address, and it's uh like if you made your fifty dollar payment or whatever, and like. Uh, I'm reiterating this because I know Ken Toller had asked, and I hope I'm answering what the question he's asking, but it was like, you know, what are they claiming that they're protecting? And that's what they say they're protecting. It's like three pieces of innocuous information is what they said, three or four, which is like, yeah, again, the email address, the, um, whether or not you paid. I don't even think they're doing progress. I, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't really matter. I mean, but again, like, I mean, there's no reason for us to get into all the reasons why, like, the industry has a very good reason for usually hashing, by the way, passwords, not fucking encrypting them. Yeah. Anyways, like, yeah, I guess if you're generating it for your user. And anyways, so I just thought that whole thing was crazy because it was like, yeah, I, I, I do agree that it's not cool to be mean, especially like in the age of, oh my God, these days, I, I don't know about you, but I can't even spend much time on Twitter anymore. I just, I, I've actually turned off notifications on my phone, so I don't see a lot of the, like, when I get, I have to go into Twitter to actually see uh, um, tweets and stuff like that, just because, and I, I'm, I'm about to do this with Facebook too, and just go on like a whole hiatus with that, because it's, people are just getting, I feel like, I'm not sure, I'm not, okay, I'm not sure if it's, people are getting more mean to each other, or if it's the, if it's that the, the algorithms they use to push more engagement is seeing that people are having strong reactions to like things, which is typically too negative posts and stuff like that. And then you're pushing that into your visibility. We all know like Twitter's timeline, for instance, and I'm not picking on Twitter. I'm just saying as one example with Twitter that they now decide what, unless you like going and changing your preference, they decide what you're going to see first. It's not like a straight up, like this person tweeted the first in first out type deal. It's not like that anymore. It is, uh, well, I guess it'd be last in last hour, right? whatever, whatever. Like it, they, they choose and, and Facebook does the same thing. And all social media's platforms at this point are doing that. They're pushing engagement. And unfortunately toxicity plays a big part in engagement. And so it's getting to the point where it's like, I wonder if these platforms are going to end up uh, finding themselves in a spot where people just stop using because they're sick of being depressed over, um, you know, the, the, the shitty way that uh, people are behaving. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Right. Like I, I'm with you. Like I, I don't, I don't necessarily like I, there's stuff that I, I monitor on Twitter and I'm looking for specific like research and news and, you know, anything that's super toxic, it, you know, I try not to engage on. And, um, you know, I like, but I don't know where else to get that same level of, of kind of research. Um, like, like InfoSec lives on Twitter, right? The, the research community does. 
And so piling on because somebody did something crappy, I, I think it went back and forth, right? It was the initial kind of like, uh, you know, the guy that found the the pen tester labs issue was like, oh, you guys suck, right? You know what I mean? And so they responded negatively as well. And then everybody else piled on, whereas it probably could have been more of a, like a, a real discussion about threat and risks and why, why things happen. Like there's just, with social media in general, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of adults in the room, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's just it. We're standing behind anonymous things. Uh, like, I mean, you and I are pretty public, right? Like, as far as, hey, we are who we are on Twitter and in real life. But I think there's a lot of people that kind of, you know, generate a persona of being leets or whatever on Twitter. And that's that's what they, they live with, right? That there's... I think there's a lack of kind of genuine commentary and genuine life, you know, on the platforms because everyone wants to put out their best face, which I get as well because you know you want the likes, you want the you know the well, retweets, and you want the especially if it uh, affects you professionally, right? Because if yeah. you were on there right now and say something that um, I don't know, like not like uh, super horrible, but you know maybe polarizing or something like that. Uh, that yeah, could affect me. Certainly, yeah. yeah. Especially because you run your own consultancy, your own business. You know, you're you are your business. So yeah, you do kind of have to like. Um, yeah, you know, I'm you, pretty you, measured you know, about it. Yeah. Yeah, but to be fair, I've known you for like over a decade now, and you're like the same. You're you're measured in all parts of your life. I mean, you're just like that. Period. People don't know you as well as I do, but you're very like. I don't actually, actually, now that now I bring this up, I don't know if I've ever seen you get like my level of pissed off. Like, you know what I mean? Where I'm, if I'm really pissed off, like it's very visible on the outside. For you, I don't think I've ever actually seen you get like that. I mean, you've talked about like, oh, I was mad about this or whatever. Um, but it's, even then it's like, I feel like you're academically breaking down like your, your emotions. You know what I mean? Like you, you just, you're, yeah, yeah. It's not a you, can't, you can't get too high. You can't get too low, right? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're pretty even kill all the time. You're probably one of the most even kill people I've ever met. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just how I deal with it. I, I don't know if it's necessarily the best way. A lot of times, right? Because if something really eats at me, I stew about it for days and days, rather than just blowing up about it and then getting over with, getting it over with, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, so. having been the person that does that, blow up about stuff, um, I can tell you it's probably, uh, probably. I'm not a hothead, but I, but yeah, certainly between the two of us, I'm the hothead. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's not. It, it is better to be. It is better to be. Uh, and like, actually, Ken Toller mentioned Jocko, the Jocko podcast. And if you've ever read, I have the book around here. If you've ever read Extreme Ownership, and if you've ever listened to Jocko's stuff. One of the things he talks about, which I really like, is um, the idea that losing your temper is a weakness. That um, if you're, uh, if you just anything that you're not disciplined in, in, in if like whether it's like sleeping in too late, or if it's like eating that junk food, or if it's like, you know, um, yeah, losing your temper, it's a weakness. You're not in control, and if it's uh, if you're not in control, then it's then it's a weakness, and it's fine to admit it and then um, address it. Yeah, and you're in control of it. So, yeah. 
Which is fine. Well, I think it's I, so, but I mean, you know, going back to like Twitter and social media, right? That 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 that's there's a lot of hot takes that people don't put thought into, right? Um, and that's part of it is like they're not necessarily in control. Like they are because they're typing it out, but they're not in control of their responses to what they're seeing out there. And that's what I'm saying. Well, that's what I was talking about with people piling on is there's not a lot of real discussion and thought around around the risks, around the threats. And, and it's it's difficult as it is the way that that stream comes in because it's not it's not geared toward thoughtful academic discussion of threats. It's not, right? It's geared towards hot takes and popularity and, you know, yeah. Like it's yeah. just the algorithms of social media. That's, that's, that's what they want is they want that engagement, just like you were saying. And so people engage when they're frustrated or they see they're indignant about something and they're just going off. They don't necessarily engage when it's something that is is already probably pretty well thought out. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I, that's that's exactly how I feel about it. It's just, I, I think in the twenty twenty, my my res like my, I never have a resolution. Uh, I don't really do that because like, it's whatever. Like, why wait? Just do whatever the thing is that you want to do now. But I definitely think in twenty twenty, like one one focus I want to have is just like tearing down to like ignoring like staying away from that kind of stuff staying away yeah from that stuff. and uh yeah sticking to uh sticking to the things that will be more positive and i hope that more people kind of take that stance so that the social media platforms kind of get dinged on pushing that negative shit to the top because i really hope that uh I just wish it was the reverse, right? Like the, the helpful research that people put out, the cool burp, you know, plugins or tools or whatever that people are writing, like that stuff should get more attention. And speaking of, by the way, I need to post the link because one of our uh, viewers, Caleb, um, gave us a link to a burp, a burp suite extension to um, manage your repeater tabs. And I think, and like I I mean, this kind of goes along the lines, things like this, where people are just trying to like have little side projects that are cool and helpful, that stuff should get promoted more and less about like um, the drama, although it's fun to talk about it on this podcast. So whatever, I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Well, I I, I mean, to to swing back around on that, right? Like uh, James Kettle, right? Portswigger, uh, at Portswigger, at Albino Wax, right? Um, like uh, the stuff he, he just released a, a, an update to the HTTP request smuggler, right? Um, also along those lines, it just got posted, I think yesterday, right? Let's see this, yeah. And, and he does get retweeted quite a bit, uh, you know, because he has been so prolific and, uh, you know, Portswigger has, has, has supported that research and actually pushing those boundaries in like both the bug bounty and the just the the general assessment community space and making burp more useful for actually finding vulnerabilities so that's cool sweet i see the link i I, on twitter i'll uh um to port swigger's site i'll uh post that right now okay sweet yeah but uh, yeah that i haven't checked out that plugin from caleb yet but it looks 
you know, it looked pretty good. It's just it's fourth quarter, right, for me. So <laughs> yeah, I meant to do it, but it, it's not it's not a fourth quarter thing for me. But work was busy too. Like um, yeah, just been busy. So yep, it's just that time of year. Um, I'm excited about next week. I don't think we've decided on the platform because we're going to go to, uh, you mentioned at the beginning, we're going to go to Austin. We're going to DevSecOps, Stays, uh, James, Wicket, Karthik, Ernest. Those folks are putting it on. And um, and so like we're going to go during lunchtime on stage, I think, and do, I'm, I'm not sure. Like we're just going to do, like a little bit of Q and A, discuss, um, and maybe have some interesting topics that that conference that are specific to that conference that we maybe have like a panel um, talk about. I, I don't think we've really. Um, we're gonna have a call. I think in the next couple of days to figure that out. It sounds like. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, uh, should be interesting. Uh, we've yeah. never done this, so this will be our first time doing a live uh, podcast at a conference on the stage. Yeah, it should be. It should be fun, right? You know, like we'll see. I mean, at yeah. the very least, we could just pull up, you know, Wicket and Karthik and some of those other guys and do our normal, like, what's going on? What do you see? Right. But we'll, we'll figure it out. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be next Monday. That'll be noon Central Time, I believe. Yeah. So, so by my math, that's two days two, into the future. Yeah. So that's eleven. <laughs> I said so I think it's eleven Eastern or no, one Eastern, eleven Mountain, ten Pacific. Uh next Monday we'll be on um and we'll be broadcasting live from DevSecOps Days Austin. Yeah, I'm uh, stoked about it. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, yeah, we're gonna take we're gonna have a cool live radio show set up. Like Ken Toller is gonna sponsor us on it. Right. We'll bring the fancy Ooh. mics and everything. And Ken Toller's gonna be there uh, uh, with right. my, Mike McCabe as well. It's like gonna be really yeah, I'm excited. It's gonna be like kind of catching up with uh, with friends and folks um, that we we haven't gotten to catch up with in a while. So it's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, good. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we've been going for an hour, Ken. Oh, obviously. yeah. I guess we can wrap this up then. <laughs> I mean, unless we got an, uh, any other topics that you want to cover quickly no, today. We covered everything. Uh, yeah, it's fun catching up with you too. I don't know if people realize, but sometimes we, you and I get so busy. This is like the only time we have a chance to, to catch up. So this is kind of nice too. Just to chat, yeah. Chat. Yeah, chat, get each other's hot takes on stuff for sure. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, you know, please, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, you know, the I'll I'll get this podcast ripped and back on the site as well. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, uh, Spotify. I can't remember all of them that we signed up for anymore. But if you have another platform that you want the podcast on, please let us know. If you've got some other app that you're interested in streaming things on, we'd be more than happy to to enroll and get it all set up. So um, yeah, I mean, we will have a site update coming too. I know Ken and I have been talking about that, uh, actually putting the blog together and a couple of other things um, as far as like upcoming episodes, because I know we, we don't do a good job of advertising those before, you know, the morning of the episode itself. Yeah. Um, 
So part of that, I'll you know, uh, the the site should alleviate it. The um, other thing I was going to mention is that people can, if you want, if there's somebody you want to see us bring on the podcast, or if there are topics you want covered, you can send that to absoluteappsec at gmail.com. I can say it again. I don't think it's hard to remember. It's absoluteappsec at gmail.com. Yeah, I just wanted to add that in. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining today. yeah, find us on Twitter, find us on Slack, however, whatever your preferred method of communication is, and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for later.